Welcome to the Father's House Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy this message. If you want to know more about our ministry or get in touch, visit our Facebook page at the Father's House Christian Fellowship. Our Instagram handle is fhcapetown or email us at admin at fhcf.org.za. everybody. I hope everybody's doing well. Thank you for joining us this 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 morning. Uh, it's good to be with you. It's always a honor and a joy and a privilege to share the word of the Lord with you and to just be with you and hang out. So for everybody at home watching this, it's good to be with you. I think it's always just appropriate that we always start any message or anything that we do, we start with prayer. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for everybody that's tuned in today, Lord, that you would meet them. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's such a gift and it's so powerful and it's alive that when we read your word, Lord, that you speak to us. And that, Lord, we, it's irreplaceable. In Jesus' name we say thank you. Amen. Just by way of introduction, you know, a few weeks ago, um, or some time ago, recently, Tim and Chavez shared about their life story. And it, and it was really encouraging and it was wonderful and it, and it built up my faith to see people live with such faith and such obedience and such trust in the Lord Jesus. And, you know, we can't call you into anything else but into relationship with Christ. We can't call you to anything else but to intimacy with God. We can't call you to anything else than just to a relationship where you trust God, where you obey Him and where you have faith that God is your Father and you live in dependency on Him. And that you know that he will look after you. That's all we can really call you to. You know, everything else flows from that relationship. Everything else we do in terms of ministry, in terms of life, in terms of relationship, flows from that intimacy with Jesus. And getting to know God is our journey. It's, it's, it's our life story is to get to know Jesus better. And all we can really do is to encourage you to draw closer to Jesus and to know him to know his story and find out who you are through Christ. You know, it's, it's a life that we know that we don't have to be anxious for anything because he cares for us. We can rely on him. Our, our, our lives depend on him and he gives us life. So in saying that, today's talk is entitled In Him. And this is derived from a passage that we find in the book of Acts. And it's a, it's, it's a passage that in its simplicity has amazed theologians for decades. It really has, has been, has been um, a little phrase, it's a, it's a very small section, um, and I'll, I'll give you the context in a minute, but it's been dissected by not only theologians, by philosophers, by sociologists, because it's such depth, and, and, but it's such a simplistic verse. So if you would, would you turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 22 to 28. And the context, I'll just quickly give it to you. Paul and his companions are in Athens. And Paul had been preaching the gospel as what Paul did. And the local authorities started challenging Paul on the things that he was preaching about. So he's preaching the gospel. He's talking about this risen Christ. He's talking about Christ in us. And so they invite him, invite him to some place called the Areopagus. And this is sort of equivalent to a top university. And they, they wanted to argue the existence um, of God with him. So we'll pick up the story in verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see in every way 
that you are religious. For as I walk around and look carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are arrogant of the very thing, ignorant of the very thing that you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he gives himself, he gives he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. For one man he made from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Verse twenty eight For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Paul starts out by telling them that, that unlike their gods, God is not hard to find. There is not an unknown God. God is not a being that is devoid from, from character or personality. That is an unknown God. God is real and God is not hard to find. He tells them that God made the world and everything in it. And God does not live in temples and structures and buildings and stuff built by human hands. The God of Paul and indeed the God that we serve is not an unknown entity. Paul goes right back to creation and he illustrates and he says, God made all the nations and marked out history. Some people have defined history as his story, the story of God. God is beyond time and transcends time. God is the only and ultimate source of our existence. And Paul utters these very profound words. And he says in verse 28, For in Him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. Now Paul was not the author of these words. And here's the brilliance of Paul. And obviously inspired and filled with the Holy Spirit, he merely quoted their own words back to them. The words, in him we live and move and have our being, was, it, was initially used for the, good, for the god Zeus, uh, Zeus sorry, at least 800, 600, years, 600 to 800 years before Christ. But Paul takes it and turns it into a godly statement, statement and restores it to its rightful place to describe the one and only true God. God can take the stuff that's wrong in your life. And he can turn it for good. God has a habit of doing it. Taking the stuff in my life, life has taken stuff that has gone wrong. He's taken it and he's turned it for good. For his glory. For his glory. Not because of anything I've done. Not because of anything you can do. But because it's for his glory. And he takes those things and he turns it into good. And Paul does the same with the statement. He takes it back and he restores it to its original place. And it describes God. That word in, you know, you start the phrase, and I get very excited about this phrase, because it's got so much depth. And it starts with in. In other words, it's immersed in Him, deeply rooted in Him, because of Him, as a result of Him, as a, apart from Him, we cannot be, inside and throughout. Him, who is Him? 
Him who is creator God, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He stands apart from creation, but he's actively involved and present in every aspect of creation. There's no place that God is not God. There is no place that God is not there, is, that is not present. God is present within space and time. If you read Isaiah 59 verse nine, uh, 55 verse 9, it says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's God's transcendence. In Him all things are held together, in Colossians 1 verse 17. And in the New Testament, Paul declares that God Himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. And in Him we live and move. And have our being as described in Acts 17 verse 25. God guides and governs. He provides for all of his creation. He is literally sustaining everything by his powerful word as it says in Hebrews 1 verse 3. He is Emmanuel, God with us. God in us. God with us. Don't you just love that? Don't you just love that, that the creator of the universe is with us? He's in us. He's throughout. He's through us. He's not over there. It's not a far distant object. It's, he is God with us. We live. We live. God is so close to us all. And it's in him that we live. And it's in him that we move. It's in him that we exist. The true God that does not want us to depend on idols or any physical thing or any mental thing or rely on our own intelligence or rely on our own emotions or rely on a church or rely on others. He wants us to rely on Him. He wants us to acknowledge and know that we totally depended upon Him for everything. Our lives are not really ours. It comes from God. You, you understand? That you know that, that your, your whole life is dependent on God. James 4 verse 13 reminds us that life itself is like a vapor that appears for a brief moment and vanishes. That's our life. You know, for some of us, we'll live between 70 and 80 years. Some leave this earth early, you know. Um, we don't know how long it's going to be, but it's a vapor, you know, and it, and it starts disappearing the moment we're born. Some people have said, you know, we start life only to start dying. That's how we start off. Now, that sounds very gloomy, but it's not the case. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we don't realize how fragile life can be. You know, and there's a, thin there's a thin line from where you are now to the next catastrophe. You know, one phone call changes everything. You get a phone call in the middle of the night, and that could just change your destiny. It can change your life completely. You get bad news or good news. And it sets you on a path either to destruction or it sets you on the path to victory. One phone call can change it all. And it can change very quickly. You know, if you look at a, if you look at a tombstone, and, uh, you know, over the next few days I'm going to have to go and go to a cemetery and go look at, some t at a tombstone. There's a start date and there's an end date. And there's a little dash in between. That little dash is our lives. We are reduced onto a tombstone by this little, this little dash. Astriopi. That's it. And that, that encapsulates our life on a tombstone. A star date, end date, and a little, a little thing. And that, that summarizes our whole existence on earth. It's quite a sobering thought, I know. You know, we can't even control our own breath, our heartbeat. We live. We live because of Him. That's why we live.
In Him we move. The next part of that of that verse, the ability to move physically. It's caused by by you know it, it's caused by it stems from 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 the brain. You know, there's a lot of impulses that are sent to the brain, and then literally we start moving. We move our arms, we move our legs, and we are wonderfully and beautifully put together. But unless God gives us the strength to move, we're unable to move. Unless this body that God has put together sends impulses for me to do this or to do that. You know, I'm not going to do a Tim feed and leap around the studio. But unless he gives us the strength, we can't move. We move because he first moves us. That's why we move. We move as a result of grace. We move as a result of mercy. Not because we deserve it. If God gave us what we deserved, a lot of us won't be here today. Including myself. Including this specimen. But in Him we move. In Him we have our being. You know, have you ever wondered why you are the way that you are? <laughs> why you are, you know, you do the things that you do? You know, where did, where did your personality come from? Who gave you that unique genetic blueprint? You know, in each cell that we have, there's a genetic a DNA code, a genetic code. And that contains every secret of your of your physical existence, of who you are. It's all there. And always, when I see those strands, I always think they're very sort of mystical and mysterious. But that's the way God designed us. God arranged our DNA. You know, that's why it says in Psalm 139 verse 13, one of my favorite psalms, it says, what it means when it says, He knit you together in your mother's womb. The things that uniquely make you, you, comes from God. He knit you together. He knit those strands together. Those DNA strands he knit together. For we are all his children. As your poets, as your poets have said, again, Paul uses their words right back at them. And he says, for we are also his children. Now be very careful. Please note that that word children is probably better translated as offspring. In other words, we all come from God. We're made in the image of God. But not all mankind can refer to themselves as sons or daughters of God. The only way to join God's eternal family as a son and as a daughter is by believing the gospel. John made it quite clear in the writing of John 1 verse 12. But for as many as received, that word received is otherwise translated as believed in. Believed in him, for as many as believed in him, has received him. To them he gave the right to become children of God, and even to those who believe in his name. We belong to him because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, by our trust and our belief in him. And although mankind is formed in the image of God, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have the right to claim that they are a child of God. It is only in Him that we live and move and have our being. It is only in Him that we are called His children, that we can be called His, our, his children. If you're watching this today and you're thinking, I've, I've, I've known about Jesus, I've not known Jesus. Why don't you today say, Lord Jesus, here I am. I want to be joined with you into your family. Forgive my sins. You are Lord of my life. I lay aside all my previous life, my sins, I lay them before you. I'm a sinner, Lord. Forgive my sin. And today, write my name onto the palm of your hand. If you said that prayer, welcome to the family. And if you're far away, if you're feeling away from God, 
Say it again. Say that prayer. Jesus, here I am. I've strayed. I've, I've, I've left you. I've gone away. I want, to, I want back in. And you know, my Jesus, the Jesus I know, He's gracious. And He's big enough to forgive because He did that for me. Yet when I was far away, He called me and He said, Come, come son, come home. And I'm ever so grateful He did. Do you remember the parable um, that Jesus told about the ten virgins in the book of Matthew? Five were foolish, five were very wise. The foolish didn't have enough oil and the wise had enough oil in their lamps. The bridegroom arrived and the foolish virgins did not have enough oil and they begged the wise virgins to give them some oil. And you know the stories the virgins got sent away with those words. Jesus says, truly, I don't know you. That's devastating. It's a devastating piece of scripture. Now it doesn't say I've never knew you or I don't know who you are. It says I don't know you. You never drew close to me with the you never drew close to me or you allowed the Holy Spirit to dwell within you or to be intimately immersed with me. You you never did that. You know, it's not the first time Jesus has used this phrase like I don't know you or depart from me. He used it in the Sermon of the Mount. Earlier in Matthew, when he said, depart from me, to the people who claim they did things in the name of Jesus. He said, depart from me. I don't know you. And again, he's saying, I don't know. I've never known you intimately. You never gave me a chance to know you as an individual. And, it's, you know, and, 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 the, and this parable is often used to depict um, the, the return of Jesus as bridegroom Christ. And it's true and it's right. But, you know, I read this passage once and I thought, I know Jesus and I know about him and I've studied a little bit of theology, but does Jesus know me? Have I allowed him to know me? And not from the perspective, uh, perspective as the creator that has made an object, you know, and that he's formed me, but it's from a, from a, from a perspective of my pursuance of him, you know, because I pursued a relationship with him. Does he know me from that perspective? Do I know him pursuing him that way? Now this sounds very enormous, and you know, and and it, and it sounds unattainable almost, and you know, and and I might have dissected the verse a little bit, and I can go on and on and on and on and on, um, and I and you know maybe there's a little bit of a theological expose in there, but here's the good news. To live, to move, and to have our being in Him starts with surrender. To have the intimacy with the Lord that allows access to the banquet. Isn't that wonderful? You know, I love food, as you know me. And that brings us into the throne room. And you know, the, the great thing is we can ask the Lord, Lord, help me to draw closer to you. Lord, help me and show me the things that keep me from relationship with you. Help me to live a life that is pleasing unto you. Let my life be a, a pleasing offering to you. Let my life be a sweet incense, as the Bible says, to you. May it be a sweet, sweet fragrance, Lord, that my life can be. But Lord, help me. I don't want to do it out of my own strength. Because that's works and that tires you out. We can ask the Lord to teach us to humbly let go of our selfish desires. To teach us, Lord, help me let go of my ego. I, I did a, a test the other day and part of the test was to post on a forum and uh, the test had gone about humility and um, letting the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. And this is in, a in, in terms of a service and church service context. 
and the one person put on this post. I can't do that. That'll get in. That'll get in the way of my ego. That'll get into the way. I've got. To, uh, it, it will then mean I need to surrender control. And I read this post, and I and I felt sad. I felt sad for this individual that wrote this because I thought, you know, there's so much more than your control. And we can ask the Lord, Lord, help me surrender control. You know, the Lord isn't a far, a far off concept. He's not a thought. He's not something we have to pull down from heaven. He is God, God with us. And we have access because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we are in him. And he calls us to remain in him. To abide in him. Abide is is like stick together. You know, it's like stuck in. To be completely and eternally immersed in Jesus Christ. You know, as we as we on this holiday season and um, we're going to embark into a new season, and uh, we we got to make a decision. You know, and be intentional to desire to know Him better, and to want more of Him, and to be more like Jesus. We, we need to make an intentional decision this year and say, you know, um, in, in you, Lord, I want to live. In you, Lord, I want to move. In you, I want to have my being. Lord, I want to be your child. I don't want to just be an offspring. I want to be your child. We need to live this season, this new season, and I prayed it a few weeks ago that I suspect, Lord, we might need you more than we ever had before. But we need to choose to live and trust and learn, in a, learn to live in obedience to him. It's a, it's a season where we need to break free from the isolation that we've put on our own lives. And this is not, I'm not talking about COVID, although it's part of it, we've been forced into the season of being isolated. And that's part of it, but that's not the whole story. We need to learn to break free from that, to break free from the fear that things that hold us, to break free from the lies of the enemy, the stuff that the enemy is trying to tell you, that he's lied to you about your life. Make that decision today. Say, Lord, I want to break free. I want to live before I die. Many people die before they lived. I don't want to die before I've lived. I hope that encourages your heart to draw close. It's all about Jesus. And I don't say that flippantly. It means a lot to me. There's, a, there's even a song I like to sing back in, in my earlier days. You know, it's all about you. Jesus, it's all about you. Let our lives be all about Jesus. You know, there's a story of um, in the Soviet, Soviet Russia, in, in the days of, of when, when Russia was completely communist, where a, um, a soldier of, of the communist courts came down to a farmer and asked the farmer about what are they doing, and they obviously growing crops, uh, potatoes it was, and he asked them about the crops, and he said, the crops are wonderful. This year the crops are good. You know, and we, and we, we, we must say, you know, thank God. And the, Rus the Russian general was very taken aback. You know, you know in Russia we don't, uh, we don't speak about God. We are atheists. You know, I'm trying to do a Russian accent. I know this is probably very amusing. And the farmer said, yes, no God, no potatoes. Even the atheist, even the atheist farmer recognized that there is a God. And because of him we live. Because of him we move. And because of him we have our existence. We have our 
our whole being we have because of Him. And because of Him, we are children of the Most High God. If you don't see yourself that way, you are a child of the Most High God. Let that sink in. Let that resonate with you. Let that ring in your heart this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you that in you we can live. Father, thank you that our whole existence, our whole being is as a result of you. Thank you, Lord, that we don't need anything else. Lord Jesus, today I pray for the person watching this broadcast this morning. Father, that feels that they have gone away from you, that they have strayed. Father, I pray that you would call them to yourself. Father, I pray that you would touch their hearts. Father, as we enter this new season, Lord, would you help us? Would you be with us? Would you show us the way? Would you guide us? Would you be the lamp to our feet? Father, we love you and we appreciate you. We say thank you for this life. Thank you for everything we have, Lord. But Lord, we give it back to you. This morning in surrender and obedience, Lord, we lift our hands and we say, here are our lives. Have your way with us. Have your way with us. Because we don't want anything else but to move with you. Father, I pray blessing of every person watching this broadcast. Pray that you would bless and keep every person. In our Father's house family this morning, Lord, <clears throat> for those who are struggling with illness, Father, we pray healing and restoration over everybody, every heart that is broken. We speak restoration. For every person that is weary, Lord, we speak life and life in abundance. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, folks, have a wonderful time with your family. Until we see each other again, may the Lord be with you. May he bless you. May he keep you. May he shower you with his love. <laughs> and we'll see you soon. God bless you. Look after yourself. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Father's House Christian Fellowship Sermon. Remember, if you want to know more about our ministry or get in touch, our Facebook page is The Father's House Christian Fellowship, our Instagram handle is FH Cape Town, or email us at admin at fhcf.org.za.